0: Welcome to On The Side with Jackie London, a BS-free podcast where we're talking all things food, nutrition, and wellness to help you build healthier habits that stick. As a registered dietitian, author, journalist, and former clinician turned content creator, I've heard and seen it all. Join me each week as I debunk diet myths, explore the latest wellness trends, and answer all of your pressing listener questions. Plus, we'll hear from a guest who will kick off each interview weekly with a soup to nuts rundown and, okay, sometimes, analysis of what they're eating, cooking, ordering in, or where they're dining out with tons of delicious ideas, lots of laughs, and plenty of pro tips in between. The one thing I can actually guarantee, I'll serve up tangible, actionable strategies to help you apply the science behind what works to what works best for you. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of On the Side with Jackie London. I am so excited to share today's interview with you. This is a fascinating episode, and I think you're going to be so curious. And if you're not already familiar with this incident or scandal, then get ready. Buckle up. It's time. We're going, we're deep diving here. So Lisa Bruno is a dietitian, um, and a number of weeks ago, I believe this was mid-June, creators on TikTok, users of Reddit. A number of different platforms, individuals were sharing their serious gastrointestinal symptoms ranging from abdominal pain to hospitalization and, and in some cases gallbladder removal after consuming a product that was made by a vegan food delivery service called Daily Harvest. Um, this made tons of national news coverage. It escalated to nearly 500 formal complaints filed to the FDA. And Lisa is both a dietitian and a nutrition communications professional professional, so she actually works here in the city at a PR firm that specializes in food and nutrition brands. She also was affected by this outbreak of a foodborne illness, so we get into the details on Lisa's experience as a customer, as a PR professional, and what to know about foodborne illness outbreaks in general, what brands, food marketers, and PR pros can learn from the mishandling of this totally disturbing and honestly just very, very poorly um, managed and communicated mishap, this disturbing event, and how to stop something like this from happening again in the future. We also get into some of the brands that Lisa thinks are absolutely doing some amazing work to provide customers with both delicious, nutritious, and safe food products, and also um, kind of identify what components of that of that marketing and that supply chain and that entire supply chain production process, the go to market process for so many of these brands actually looks like. So that was totally fascinating. We also come out of this with a number of different takeaways that I think you're going to find super interesting. So I am going to stop talking now and I am going to let Lisa tell you her story. And I I really, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about this episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it if you like what you hear please go ahead leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this episode right now. I would be eternally grateful. All right without further ado here we go. Lisa Bruno, can't wait to hear what you think and as always you can reach me at Jacqueline London RD on Instagram with any questions or just to say hi. But first let's get to a quick listener question. Okay, so today I have a really interesting listener question. It's actually from a colleague, and it's such an interesting one. And the question that she asked was, "How do you distinguish, or how do you essentially differentiate between uh, when someone is claiming to have a gluten intolerance versus the very, very real, very hard evidence surrounding the topic of celiac disease?" So this is a complicated one, and. And that is for a number of reasons. The first is that celiac, we know to be an allergic reaction, as in your your body's immune cells start attacking another organ system. For the sake of simplicity, I'm just going to go with, <laughs> with that. Cells attack another set of cells within your body that basically creates an allergic reaction to the protein gluten, which is found in wheat. The thing about gluten intolerance and any type of food intolerance is that it's a lot softer because there's no, um, There's no biomarker or indication of the damage that we'd often see with a patient with celiac disease or with anyone of any type of allergy, right? Like if you are allergic to bees and you're stung by a bee, your body will have an immune response, immune-mediated response. With celiac, the immune-mediated response is an inflammatory response in the GI tract, whereas with a gluten intolerance or what's being proposed as gluten intolerance, non-celiac gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity is, is simply... Consuming something with gluten that doesn't agree with you, that maybe just makes you feel sick. The evidence, there's some evidence on this. It's not vastly or deeply or well powered uh, from a study design perspective. There's not a tremendous amount of research out there. But here's what I would say on this topic is that. Anytime someone is concerned about an intolerance or expresses concern about an intolerance, the questions, the follow-up questions become the most critical questions. So the first thing that I would want to know is, okay, what are the types of foods that you are seeing this reaction or this, these Symptoms um, in response to, right? Are they actually gluten containing foods or are they other types of carbohydrate foods? And if they're other types of carbohydrate foods, then it's worth probing further into understanding okay, well, what exactly, what else is happening in the course of the day that is getting you to feel a certain way physically. Because I think the worst thing that you can possibly do, and I'm going to use an extreme word here, <laughs> but I, I think that it can be very easy as evidence-based practitioners, as dietitians to sort of quickly say, okay, wait a sec, uh, that's not a thing right like in your head the inner monologue is a little bit like that's not a thing but the thing is that if someone is has genuine feelings of discomfort abdominal pain um diarrhea vomiting nausea whatever it is but like any type or even just none of that but just like gas and bloating and it's just really uncomfortable like after a while you start to feel like okay something i'm eating isn't working and i don't know if that's real or not or if i don't know if that's coming from something I, that can feel if some if you if someone is expressing that to a practitioner, to a dietitian, and the response is like, uh, that's not a thing, right? Then automatically, you feel a little bit gaslit as the patient. And that was the extreme word I wanted to use there, gaslighting. So I would say it only is a gluten sensitivity. Gluten intolerance may very well be a real thing. We simply don't have enough evidence to tell us that it's not real, right? So we've got to treat it like it might be something worth understanding more about, worth getting curious about and discovering exactly when certain symptoms are coming about, what's happening, what else is going on in a patient's life and lifestyle, and how can we best work with them to figure out truly, both how to how to avoid gluten containing foods if that's the goal or to help them feel better even if that means including some gluten containing foods and using that as a trial and error point of starting right of starting a, ther- a medical nutrition therapy treatment plan so i think again the answer is going to depend on who you're talking to and who the patient is and how willing they are to kind of document the things that that come along with a food journal, right? Like document in detail, like I felt like X when I ate this type of bread, or I felt great when I ate X type of bread. I'm not getting those symptoms from gluten-free bread as I'm getting from wheat bread. This is, you know, probably the lamest example I can give, but it's a pretty solidly clear one, right? Is that like, it may very well be a it is mild intolerance to FODMAPs, which is, uh, I'm not even going to go there with the full name right now because I just feel like it would come out like a word salad. Fructo oligosaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. I think I got it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the point is those are short-chain carbohydrates that are found in lots of different types of foods. And because they're so random, it's very possible that someone who is expressing feelings of gluten sensitivity or feeling like they might be intolerant to gluten, it could very well be that they are actually responding to the FODMAPs found in food. So the, the intervention may actually be a low FODMAP diet. So example, and, that, and, and by nature of what a low FODMAP diet is, that will also be much lower in gluten. So it may very well be that really what so many of us are experiencing is this somewhat intolerance to many different types of, of those short chain carbohydrates that are more challenging for many people to digest and absorb in a way that feels comfortable to them. So it may be worth exploring some more of those types of foods and seeing if there's some alignment between FODMAP foods and a person's stated symptoms, or if it's really about gluten. And then in that case, you know, you're really f- much more focused on gluten-containing foods. But either either option gives you an exploratory moment to find out what's really going on with the patient and what's, what really is triggering certain symptoms and working with them to, to experiment in a little trial and error and test what works versus what doesn't work. All right. I hope that helps. Um, in general, I'm just a big fan of when someone expresses discomfort with anything, leaning into that and helping them through that rather than saying, Uh, not really that's probably not it you know it, it just gives you a more of like a yes and approach to say okay those are the symptoms let's let's go from there and using that as your jumping off point all right let's get into our episode Hey, listeners, it's me. I'm just jumping back in here because as of July 19th, Daily Harvest actually made a statement about um, TerraFlower, linking TerraFlower to the Consumer Product Recall. Um, they're saying that that this is the ingredient that is to blame for the, for the symptoms and the foodborne illness that so many people, hundreds of people have experienced. So I just wanted to provide a little bit of an update just given that that's kind of breaking news, but they don't actually know much more than that. So just wanted to jump in here, share that update, and now I will let us get back to the episode. As of the time of the recording with Lisa, we did not know what ingredient was causing um, illness and was causing those symptoms. So so just wanted to give a little bit more context, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Let's start with the backstory. Let's start from June of 2021.
1: Let's start from there. <laughs> Perfect. So I was on maternity leave, um, and arguably I'm not, like, checking my LinkedIn or anything, but I got a notification, like, pushed to my phone from a recruiter for Daily Harvest. They were looking for a dietitian, and I was like, eh. I was like, you know, I
0: remember that. I feel like I remember seeing that job, which is the craziest thing.
1: Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'll certainly talk with them. Um, it's always like one of those thoughts in your head. You work at an agency, like, is yes. it, like the right change to go in house. So I wasn't in a place of job change. I love my current job. I wasn't planning on doing anything, but I was like, What's the harm in the conversation? So I go through the process of talking to the recruiter, talking to the communications department, like who was leading that, um, who, strangely enough, I knew from past agency life. Wow. Um, Before that interview, I was like, I should really like know what the product is. Um, I wasn't a subscriber at the time. I knew loosely of it. I've tried like smoothies in the past. I was also like totally floundering on like putting fruits and vegetables in my mouth, like. My daughter at the time was just going to be like five months. I wasn't eating great. I'm a dietician. I should be like savvy enough to figure it all out. But I was like, well, I could use a little help with some fruits and vegetables No,
0: exactly. Because like that wasn't even the thing. The thing that I feel like was was what made it appealing or sexy to people who were In any type of position like you, like a new mom or like someone who just is Mm -hmm. busy running around is that this pre-packaged frozen veggies and fruit in... The form of like something that you can put immediately into your blender in like already pre-portioned for you You basically have to do no work except for turn on the blender. It's like the most appealing looking thing. And they had really sexy marketing and really sexy influencer marketing. But it it's not even it's not that you don't know what to do as a dietitian. It's that you just felt like, OK, now I'm having those barriers that we talked to other people about having. And here we are.
1: Right. This all makes sense. Now right. I have a better appreciation for 100%. patients, clients, brands right. that I work with on why there are these gaps and like no shame in, in like getting a little help. Um, 100%. And quite frankly, yeah. And quite frankly, you, you know, you look at it from a off the cuff and it's like, it feels a little privileged, but when you break down the cost, I was like, oh, it's actually kind of semi-affordable. Like when I like think about if I had to like the time and effort of prep and all these things. So I was like, all right, let me just do it. So I ended up becoming a subscriber, going through this process of talking with the recruiter and the communications contact, the role, they didn't have a dietitian in place, which also, Red you know, it, <laughs> I um, but that the role that they were looking for wasn't particularly nutrition focused. It was a dietitian, but a dietitian that could help them with influencer relations when it came to reaching other dietitians, there were probably going to be some more integrated nutrition work, but it wasn't, it was more of a comms marketing role Mm. than it was a R and D nutrition regulatory type role. So we don't end up like going far down that job. I wasn't in a position to be taking any job anyway. I wasn't really looking for it. Um, and I was still on maternity leave for a couple months. So ironically, I stayed a subscriber You can skip your, your subscription. So it was like very easy to just stay in the loop flash forward to end of April, early May, they came out with a new product. I was like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. The crumble comes in a walnut crumble, a lentil crumble. Um, I was like, I'm always interested in trying new things. It's like part of our business. Like you should know what's out there for consumers. I always like product innovation when it comes like plant-based options, because you know, I mean, yes. there's so many different things. I'm like, what, right. what can they do? So I'm like, let me try them.
0: So wait, Lisa, before we move forward, this is my other question about the business model. So you, in other words, you can hit pause on like, if you're getting weekly subscriptions, you can hit pause. And then when they come out with, let's say a new offering like this, you can say, I'm just going to start this up again. Oh my God, this is brutal.
1: Oh, the, everything <laughs> about it is, I, I mean, can't Jackie, I wear these two very weird hats as like a professional I have my communications PR hat on so like marketing jargon and and the ability to kind of like lure a customer in I'm not not savvy right like no exactly and and then with food stuff I'm like I'm a dietitian I can like read through the lines However, there's also, like, you sit as a consumer yourself with all of these things. And, like, the ease of it all was very appealing. Like, each week I could just skip a subscription. Like, no skin off my back. I wasn't getting charged for anything. Um, It was something that I could, like, turn on when I needed it and turn off when I didn't. And if I only wanted a couple things, I could customize it. Like, it wasn't – it was such a nice logistical kind of like operation the interface like the ux if you will
0: hate that expression it gives me a little yeah. ptsd yeah. but i really feel like that's what you're talking about it's like the full user experience is seamless and that really makes it desirable from like every standpoint both as a dietitian because we're always looking to sort of like when working with patients and working with brands you're always like trying to make it yeah. easier for someone to make a healthier choice in a category or a better for that individual, that brand, that, you know, make the options more available. But like you're, but also as a consumer, it's like you were busy and, and everyone's busy, you know what I mean? Like we're all busy. So like something that feels seamless to you is really meaningful because you've seen a lot of stuff. You've worked with a lot of brands. You've worked in a lot of different settings. It just is like, it's extra meaningful when you know that this is like precision level, you know? So it's, it's. Mm Fascinating.
1: Okay. And I can't help myself but break down the cost per serving. And it was, if you walked down the street and went to anywhere, you right. could even go like quick service. We're talking right. like Panera. You could go to, this was still like on par with that affordability. So I was like, okay, I'm going to filter it into our, our weekly food budget when I need it. So the ease, the UX, US, the yeah. user experience was just really Kudos to them. It was great. Right. Um, it was really easy. Anytime I had an issue, if there were issues with a shipment, if something dry ice was exposed, I like to burn my hand on dry ice, which probably was like a user error. <laughs> they were very gracious with like the communications back. You know, like right. everything was very, very simple. It's just ironic how you get fo- folded into this yeah. funnel and then you don't get out. Um yeah. and Because of my curiosity, I couldn't help but try these other products um, because it was just another way for me to like kind of sparkle up my weekday lunches. Totally. With maybe like a different topping on a salad or in a dish, whatever it may be. Ironically, my husband, I showed him the product when I first got in, he was like, do not try to slide that into dinner. <laughs> He's like, don't, don't try and feed me lentil crumbles. I like just give you, me... oh um, my God. so he was hip to it way before I was. So that's kind of like how I got into the system itself and curiosity just got me to get the new products because I was curious. So then. It rolled out in April. I think I ended up getting the product roughly around May third, um, and I got two different two different crumbles. I tried mm. the walnut one first, and I tried the lentil one like the week prior. Just I don't know why I remember these things. I think when you get yeah sick, at least yes. for me, I hate growing up. Uh, oh my god, so my like worst, a, my worst nightmare. Yeah. Oh, I cry like a baby. Yeah. And I will remember to a T whatever I ate leading up to that Lisa, moment because same. I will need to avoid it for the next like years.
0: I I, would, I still don't eat raisinets. Okay. I mean, this is a PSA to our <laughs> listeners. Don't ever try to send me a chocolate covered raisin because I get a gag reflex just saying those words. Don't ever show it to me. <laughs> I rarely say no to a candy, but a raisinette is my arch nemesis. Absolutely not. No. Keep it away from me. Thank you. Yes. Completely with formative, you. Formative.
1: Yes. It is a formative <laughs> moment. Um. So- I, it's now ingrained in my head because around like May 13th, I had the now questionable lentil crumble. I really thought I have a child in daycare. I'm like, germs are everywhere. Right. I got a stomach bug. Right. Who, Who could have known that? I now in hindsight, like looking back, I was feeling kind of uncomfortable for like 24, 36 hours before I actually got Um, but it felt pretty similar to like a stomach bug, chills, fevers, vomiting, lethargy. I was noticing things that I guess like, this is the podcast we're on. So TMI, my urine was really dark and I was like, wow, I must be really dehydrated. Right. It's like, it's like really dark. It like wasn't normal. Right. But I was like, I have a stomach bug. I'm dehydrated. And I just kind of like put it to bed It was, I perked up within like 24 hours, but I was still feeling off. I, oddly enough, had a physical, like an annual physical two days after
0: I was sick. This timing is unreal. I mean, everything about, like everything (laughs) about this whole story so far, I'm just like, first of all, I'm riveted. I hope our (laughs) listeners are riveted too, because I really can't (laughs) get over this in so many different Ways that we'll get into all
1: of them, but you keep going. I'm gonna not interrupt you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I had this annual physical. It's also a shout out for people to schedule their annual physicals because you just like never know what's going on in your body. Totally. Sunday I get sick. I feel better throughout the week, but not normal. I get sick again that following Friday. But like worse. I was down for the count for I was in bed. I was sick six o'clock in the morning on a Friday. I didn't get out of bed until seven thirty the next day that Monday I had the physical. Were you
0: eating normally in that week in between or not really? Like, it was just like, "Mm."
1: I was eating like, you know, when you throw up, you're kind of like, Oh, I'm kind of scared of food. So I was eating like bland. Brat brat diet. I was a brat. I mean, (laughs) here's your nutrition therapy, Lisa. So yeah, that's where I was. So that whole week I was kind of like a little weird. Um, and I'm taking you with dates because it's so important for what ended up happening when the recall came out. Oh so this is all happening between May 15th and May 23rd. Um, so leading into that Memorial Day timeframe for right. like easy context, um, I get my blood work done. I have been a arguably healthy person with normal blood work always. My blood work comes back with elevated ASP, ALT, GGT. All of your liver functions were, like, off the charts. And my – like, I had weird cholesterol readings. And I'm like, what? Like, what is going on with me? I immediately go to I have liver disease. Like, I, like – Kind of went uh, That is exa- scenario, By the I... way,
0: what you're describing right now is exactly the process that I put. Per- if this had happened to me, I would have gone through every single step. I would have thought that it was just dehydration when I saw the dark urine. I would have been like, "Oh my god!" I just like I got. The, yeah. I have the chills because it's so relatable. When you have clinical experience, like we we, it's like you know too much on one hand, and then on the other hand, you don't expect you don't know what you can't know, which is that it was some type of foodborne illness. Like you wouldn't have known that. Okay, keep going.
1: No. And I asked my doctor when I was at that physical before the blood work, yeah. like, Oh, Hey, I had this stomach bug. Like, is it okay for me to have blood work? He's like, Oh yeah, it's totally fine. Like, don't worry about it. When those readings came back, he was kind of like, do you over-consume alcohol? I was like, no, I don't over-consume alcohol. <laughs> They're like, do I want to have a drink here and there? Yeah, sure. But like, I am not, right. I'm not a candidate for liver, liver disease because of mm. chronic use of alcohol. Um, so like that couldn't have been the issue. I had follow-up blood work um, because this whole time, I'm never thinking I ate something right. that is affecting my liver. Right. I'm thinking that I got sick. Maybe it was a side effect and that happened. Doctor's like, no, that can't be the case. So I'm thinking it's something bigger. Quite honestly, the doctor's thinking, okay, we're going to retest your blood work. If it doesn't come down, next thing you have to do is an ultrasound to see if you have any liver damage. Mm. So- I'm here thinking there's something wrong with me. I get follow-up blood work. Test is still high. Only on my liver function. I'm still getting those elevated levels. That is early June. I'm waiting for, like, more feedback from the doctor. Now it's around June 15th. So leading into Father's Day weekend. And I get an email from Daily Harvest. It's like, hey, we're getting a couple reports of... Um, customers complaining of gastrointestinal discomfort, Um, just make sure you cook your crumbles to 165 degrees. Um, Here's a $10 credit.
0: Oh, my God. I got to wait. We got to pause right there because I think I'm getting a symptom of lentil crumbles just hearing this. Okay. Okay wait a second. So first of all, so now this is, so you had technically consumed the product on May 13th ish timeframe. You were sick for a week. You happen to have a physical, you get your liver function tests back. They're all out of whack. You get a repeat blood test just to verify that those results were not in fact an actual fluke and they weren't. And then here we are mid-June, literally one full month later, with an email from Daily mm-hmm. Harvest and a fucking $10 coupon. Can you cover, do you take insurance, Daily Harvest?
1: <laughs> I mean, like, that's what it, So I won't forget, like, sitting on my couch, it's <laughs> a Friday night, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they just offered people a $10 credit. Like, it was basically like, hey, guys, it's not us, it's you here's your $10 credit, make sure you cook your lentils to 165 degrees, which to the lay person is like, oh, okay. But to me, I was like, why in God's name, do you have a temperature to cook your beans to? Like, there's no way you're putting a meat thermometer in a lentil bean and getting an accurate reading. It's really difficult to do that. Then on the other side of my marketing hat, I'm like, maybe they have experience with customers like eating their food frozen because I don't know. People do crazy things. So maybe this was like their way of adding an instruction just to make sure they cover all their bases. I'm giving everybody benefit of the doubt on this one. But that temperature cooking instruction was peculiar from the jump. And I didn't shame on me. I should have thought a little bit harder about it. Oh, my God. No, don't even say that.
0: Don't even say that. That is full-blown. This is a full-blown blame the victim situation. And what I and I got to say, like, if just to just to add a little bit more context for our listeners for this. So there's a protein in beans called lectins. Dr. Stephen Gundry has made a fuck ton of money off of exploiting the problem of lectins. There's no problem with lectins. They're found in raw foods. Like if you cook your foods properly, then you won't have this problem and you're, there's no problem with it. The thing mm-hmm. that drives me crazy about it is that it's Tapping into both anyone anywhere who's ever heard that before, number one, which he has a very popular podcast also. So like it's possible people have heard that before and it's insane. <laughs> so let's just lay that foundation. Oh well and then there's the fact that like who's not who's eating raw food? Number two. And number three is that if, I'm guessing you have to cook it in a microwave, right? Like that would be, so then it's even so safer. So microwave. Right. So then either way, it's even safer because you can literally see when a bean cooks versus like a, using an actual thermometer. You know when it's done. Right. It's
1: so unnecessary. But this email yes, talking okay. about lectins, they know raw lentils contain a type of protein that could cause gastrointestinal symptoms unless they're thoroughly cooked. Like- So they're already like framing it up. Like we gave you all, like we brought the horse to water. We're just asking you to drink it appropriately. Um, (sighs) It was bizarre. It was a bizarre email. I was ashamed to be a communication practitioner and see that email go out because it made me sweat. Like you have customers that are complaining of a physical ailment and you're going to give them $10 for their pain. I couldn't even wrap my arms around it. It was just so tone deaf. Oh my god! And beyond. then two days later, the email comes out of throw your lentil throw your lentil crumbles away. Um, there's basically something wrong with them. That's when I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" And I started to just kind of like Google. Bon Appetit had this amazing article on it, and as I so started nice. to read customer accounts of what they were experiencing, which arguably were significantly more severe than what I was, I was enraged. I was like, wait a minute, this is everything I've experienced. And more, quite frankly, people are having their gallbladders removed. People have chronic, like severe liver damage. They're in the ER. I had a, I was vomiting. Like it could have been so much worse. And like, and they offered us a $10 credit from like the initial point of this this flag. I was furious. I couldn't believe it that there was a company out there that was getting these complaints for a period of time and weren't immediately mm. concerned about their customers. It's insane. They were immediately concerned about covering their ass though.
0: First of all, I just want to thank you for the context that you provided also at the beginning because I feel like this really speaks to something bigger and more and even even that much more interesting, which is that you when you were applying for a role you said there was no dietitian in period and there's also was no dietitian in an R&D role whatsoever so in a product development standpoint right there i don't know how i can only imagine you have culinary you have some type of culinary training people with culinary training handling the food but at the but at the same time there there are other questions that come up by knowing just that there was no dietitian involved in this health food brand, right? Like there was no, no dietitian involved in the actual
1: development. And maybe there is somewhere down the chain, there could be consultants, there could be someone that has supported them throughout their like journey into becoming the mega brand that they are. So I can't say for a hundred percent certainty, um, That's not the case, but on paper, it wasn't super clear that there was a consistent presence of uh, credentialed dietitian in a role that served across all of those functions. That's also my theory, so I don't want to be like spouting misinformation. No, no, not Um, at all.
0: I mean, I and it is. I mean, and to clarify, like it is a hundred percent. For this is our conversation that is theorizing some of this, but it wouldn't be surprising. Is really more of what I've been thinking a lot about because. I mean, you right, and it's a startup, but also, I mean, I've had personal experience with being surprised as to how few dietitians (laughs) might be in a very large Mm -hmm. corporation that is proclaiming to be a wellness company. There's a lot (laughs) of smoke and mirrors happening, and sometimes we don't know that actually, what when it looks too good to be true, it might also actually be too good. Like in other words, if it it still might actually just
1: be believe your lying eyes, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what, that's why I say like shame on me because there are parts of me through the whole process that's like the temperature cooking was a red flag to me. There were certain things that I was like, this is all very weird. Why am I not fully questioning it? Um, But it goes back to like your, your trust as a consumer with brands that on the surface look so properly packaged. And that's where marketing becomes so powerful and why it's so important that the general consumer knows experts to lean on because you can be really seduced by a shiny thing, a, a beautifully packaged craft, craftly, artful words that yeah. describes something that fill a gap in your life. And for me, that brand was filling a gap in my life where I was like, I just don't have time to be like the smoothie queen. Like right. I don't have it. Um, And I needed it. I didn't feel myself. I needed some extra fruits and vegetables. No shame on that. Most of us do. It's just ironic that one year later, all of this comes to fruition with a brand that I kind of have like an interesting relationship with. Okay. I have more, I got to back up because there's a couple other, I have many,
0: many questions (laughs) for you, but there's this other thing I was thinking about as you were saying that when, because this is the other big question mark as someone just following the story, right? Like as an outsider, when your doctor saw those, your blood work and when you, I'm, and I'm guessing like you had, you then maybe after receiving the email, did you like, had you followed, followed up with him after that? And you were like, huh? these things are happening. Did he have any, this is nodding right now. Did he have any, was he like, Oh, I've heard of this. It's called XYZ toxin or whatever. No, no,
1: (laughs) nobody kind of, nobody knew what the heck was going on. Um, I was in this like gray period where I was like, just we should go for more tests, wait till the tests come back. And like, as everything started to transpire and I started to get results, then I started to see the news from Daily Harvest. I was like, oh, this just makes more sense. But it was also very indicative of like the faults in our conventional healthcare system where they're just trying to like treat what they see immediately and not really dive into like the underlying issue. Like, let's run another test. We'll do an ultrasound. Like, it's not that. Did you drink a lot of alcohol? Like, it was just so baseline. I ended up going to a homeopathic doctor. Wow! Before I heard the news from Daily Harvest, because I was so distraught with thinking there was something going on internally that I didn't know for the last right. year that's affecting my liver. That I, and I was disappointed with my physician's wow. recommendations. Yeah. And how hard it was to get him on the phone. That's a whole side. Conversation, oh my God. Is that like it's so just to true. Get follow up on right well, just to get follow up on the blood results that I got the second time around, I had to have four phone calls with the office, and I never talked to him. I just talked to a nurse I'm thinking no. that was just kind of like the middleman, so I was frustrated, right. So I go to a doctor who's an m d but practices in a homeopathic capacity, and I had a whole conversation with her for an hour in person where we kind of like troubleshooted what could have potentially been happening. This is before I knew the daily harvest right. situation. Once I heard that, I ended up having a follow-up session with her just like on the books anyway. So I was talking to her about it and she she heard about it. So it's it's just interesting to see oh different tools of thought when we look at healthcare because we're conditioned to go one way and there are other points of view, and they're controversial, but it's also an interesting experience for someone that's a health professional as well to see these different schools of thoughts in, in medical doctors. Yeah. So that's probably a whole other conversation in itself, but no. she was very interested. She said, let me know how your follow-up blood work goes, if it is still elevated I have additional testing or other remedies that we can look at to help restore liver function or address some of those issues. There felt there was a sense of like I'll help you through this journey versus like I don't know radio silence. Like that's kind of what I got from my
0: oh my god, my doctor.
1: Okay, yeah, wow, that
0: is so upsetting and also such a reality. And I, I mean, my OBGYN, for example, like, I'm sure this is a similar thing with you. Like, but that I'm thinking of that physician in particular who I actually, I love and I trust her very much when I get to see her. But to get to see her, when you have to change an appointment, you're going to a master switchboard. And then I have to and then it's like if I'm not on the like let's just say I was away from my phone or I couldn't log in for whatever reason on my computer or my computer decided to start seizing for whatever reason as happened mm-hmm. when we were trying to get on to this interview today. <laughs> like yeah. then I can't then the only thing I'm left with is literally nothing because then the only thing that's in between those things when it's not an emergency but it is important is is the ER right? Like that's the only, because you can't, it's very hard to get somebody on the phone or to get somebody to just simply respond to you in real time in some way and say, let's work on this together. And that's where this, this is such a huge point I think you're making, which is like the attitude from this practitioner was, let's work on this together and I'm here for you. And you got radio silence from your traditional physician. And also one other thing I want to say on this (laughs) is the reaction of saying, are you drinking a lot? Because your hello, you have a you ha- your daughter is less than a year, a year, or she's a year and a half. If she's a year. Right, yeah. like so? Yeah, she's a year and a half. So how? Ha- so I'm sorry, do you, yes. excuse me, kind sir, but do you do you know what it's like to be a mom with a one and a half year old? I don't think so. Because I don't think you have the time. You couldn't make the smoothies. You're not going to make a Bloody Mary. I mean, like you're having 25 times a day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just, like, look at the patient for crying out loud. Like,
1: hello. It was very, it was frustrating on multiple levels because what I suspect is I had, quirky cholesterol reading too. The feedback there was make sure you exercise 30 minutes a day <laughs> and watch your sweet intake. I was like, do you know me? Like right. y- you don't know my lifestyle, I guess, even though we go through all the paperwork to explain what that lifestyle is. Like, why is this not jumping off the, the paper of like, this seems really odd. Um, why did why do we think this happened? Instead you're just putting the onus on me to say like, you're doing something wrong, please change that. That's a huge reason why we I have so many mind. people in an right. adult population that do not go see their doctors. Right. Like, why do you think we have chronic diseases? Like, this is why because people don't have the support to prevent those diseases. Right. Right. I, I mean, I mean,
0: First of all, listeners, because I don't remember if I said this in the intro or not, but Lisa also has a fitness background. So we're not exactly talking about someone who's who really needs a recommendation like move more. I mean, come on. Like, I just – everything about that I find truly just enraging and also really – like it it's both enraging as someone listening to it and also i can only imagine how i would feel in it and i would feel both devastated ashamed but also not a, like like more of the shame that is turns to anger very quickly because it's not because you know you know that's not you so what's being described to you is like a form of medical gaslighting like it just makes it feel like like you're the insane one and also your liver your liver function tests are all over the place don't know what's happening there but here we go. I'm done. I'm out. I got to go see my 25 Mm -hmm. other patients. Like that is a broken system hallmark. If I've ever heard one
1: unreal, 100%, 100%. And that's where the frustration lies, because in this whole situation, you have your physician kind of gaslighting you. And then you have the company that you're like, wait a minute, I think you made me sick gaslighting you. So now it's just this spiral of like, Shame, shame, shame. Right. I did something wrong when I was just trying to do the right thing. Right. Um, so it was wild. So then I went on this like journey of like, I'm going to report you up and down the chain to like all of the appropriate channels Yes. Um. and contacted the FDA and the FDA did an interview. And what was interesting about that was there was supposedly cases that were being reported around Memorial Day. Oh, yeah that the FDA was aware of, which means Daily Harvest was aware of it. Why did it take you almost a month to contact customers about that? To me, I was like, what the hell was going on over there? Were you hoping it was going to just disappear? Right. The time change didn't make, like the timeline of everything just didn't make sense to me. So. It or are you one as of a those, brand like,
0: like, like are they getting customer service like customer service is being told to say heat the lentils to one sixty five like I just like are you being given that advice like I mean it's just insane right. like how many people could be eating frozen lentils
1: right so the the wheels really completely yeah. fell off with the management of that and yeah just to see the communications in the way that it was framed. And granted, they're going through all of the testing. Apparently, tests aren't coming back, reporting anything. And they're deep into mycotoxins, like aflatoxins, and all of these different, different subsets of beyond just E. coli and hepatitis. Yes. Supposedly, things aren't coming back positive. That doesn't mean that something wasn't there. And also, like, I would argue, like, do you still have the inventory to test that right. you sent me right. in May? Like I I don't know those things. It's just things that I think about because I anticipate that your logistics is like right. running rather lean. And are you keeping <laughs> samples from that long right. ago? Like I just I don't know, but those are the questions that I ask because there's no way that you've had over 450 cases of very similar symptoms and there was nothing found. Right. So, obviously, there's more to come on it, but it's a certain. It's a lesson in like how not to handle a crisis. <laughs> My God, Lisa. Yes. I mean,
0: that's that is it is start to finish how not to handle a crisis. I, before we move on, because I want to hear more. I want to talk more about that in a sec. But I I also feel like the other component of this that is interesting when you really put all of these these pieces together is to think that. I was, before I knew, before I knew that you were affected, I was talking to another dietitian friend who we were going back and forth. Like, what could this be? Because in traditional, in, in traditional medical nutrition therapy, there would be a number of like most common foodborne illnesses. So like it would be contamination mm-hmm. by an external toxin or mold or something that grow that growth that comes from bacterial exposure or any type of well i guess bacteria mold yeast anything something that gets into the food that should not be in the food right that should mm-hmm. just not be consumed or that grows within the conditions of the food because of temperature or because of whatever those things are totally possible what's not possible is that it that we your doctor you know in fairness to the whole medical side of this right is that also physicians if they're not if they're not getting more than 2 hours of training in nutrition. And we right. are like, wait a second. I've never heard of those. Like, we know like the big common ones. We I'm like it like, gives me like shivers. Just yeah. thinking about it. Right. Like we know <laughs> botulism. Like these are like hallmark nutrition, they food safety be- things. Yeah. Right. Like they have specific symptoms. We know what we, we learned it. But we are not, we don't know what we don't know. And the fact that no one that like this is still like such a mystery to everybody is also just terrifying because it creates that total fear and this like, what is wrong with me thing that where you assume that it's got to be you until you, until, until it's out in the open. And until you realize that actually other people are struggling with this too. And that's, that's like what I'm at least grateful for is like, if there's one thing, like one major lesson from this is that if your consumers are talking about it on TikTok on Reddit, you, that's, this is where people are convening to speak about a problem. That's the other side of this that I wanted to get your take on, which is an email really with a coupon, because what, because first of all, one month is egregious, Like, look, 24 hours would be (laughs) 24 hours. Yeah. You know, like when, between the time that you find out and taking a proper action, I mean, I'm not trying to put an actual timestamp on this, but I feel like literally as soon as you know something, you pull it or you contact people, Immediately and say you received this product, and we know where it went, so we know that
1: because they have that tracking info, right? Or they should. I would anticipate like your your shipping and logistics like knows where everything is at all moments in time, and according to lot numbers on your package stamps, like you should be able to track all of that. Um, To me, there there was a not a sense of urgency, um, clearly, Uh, even on the app. It which again, we talk about that user experience is really nice. There wasn't a flag on that app on that homepage for maybe two weeks after that initial email came out for the recall. Like it took time for them to have a call to action of like update on our lentil our lentil recall. Um, they're also very Good at reinforcing it's a voluntary recall um, that also, they're doing everything what the fuck? in their efforts. That-
0: I can't. I, I mean, please, voluntary recall after like TikTok exploded, Reddit exploded, like all of these other social media platforms that were way ahead of you. Like you, you're gonna call that voluntary? Okay, I guess because the FDA didn't have a solid data enough to call it a specific toxin, mm-hmm. so they couldn't say we're we're mandating that you recall this product because you have botulism in
1: your food. Yeah, <laughs> like. Yep. like yeah. So, wow. And it's also like some of the language of like reinforcing that their other foods are safe and they are still feeding their products to their families. Oh, God. Got me at my core because, like, it is not about you and your other products and your family, right? Like there are people's families that are now dealing with long term issues. Like, this is not the right thing right way to frame and rebuild trust. Like this isn't the right time for that. Um, How are you helping those that are truly affected? And quite honestly, I'm not one that's truly affected. There are people that have had very severe reactions to this because of probably like the frequency of which they ate that product. I ate it a one less than a cup Mm. of it um, and had the effects that I had. And I ate it once. If you are someone that ate it multiple times over the course of a week, I'm not sure what happens to you, but I anticipate that your symptoms are significantly worse than mine. Oh, so it's like, what are you doing for those people? I don't really care about your other products and what you're right. feeding your family. This is a really right don't care exactly. I really don't care. Also,
0: ten dollars $10 is not. I mean, and in these inflationary times, ten dollars is not going to buy you a new gallbladder. Okay, that's it. <laughs> 10 dollars
1: it It's not giving back a gallbladder co-pays. won't
0: even cover it won't even cover a copay for anything i mean i can't even think nothing. of a thing that that would cover no nothing whoa so what so obviously you canceled your subscription
1: so funny i still have it and okay. i still have the product because yes, i'm very because curious yes to just exactly see how everything transpires right. and when i Spoke with when I did the FDA interview because anyone that has a, a situation and mm. symptoms from it, you can contact your state FDA office. Um, they ask you that if you still have the product, please keep it in case they want to test your product. Depending on where like the testing nets out, so I am like still a member subscriber more so out of self preservation to make sure yeah. that I learn what I need to learn. Um, or help those that need help and maybe my product yeah. can unearth some finding to it. Um, so will I be a long term subscriber? No. Right. Um, but in the short term, right now, yes.
0: Well, so here's here's the other thing, and I'm so grateful that you did not pursue a <laughs> an actual Job there, although I'm not grateful because I do feel like this might not have happened as such. But here's what I would love. Here's what I would love to hear from you. If you were running this show, not from the R and D standpoint, but from the from the communication standpoint, walk us through how you would do this differently. Like, how would you execute like a crisis communications strategy? In real time for something like this, like shit hits the fan literally and metaphorically and you're like, what, yeah. what's step
1: one? What? Step one is you, you shut down the product delivery and 100%. you have a communication go out to all your customers, whether those customers receive the product or not. Yeah. And you're completely transparent with what's going on. It's not a, we take all of those safety that we need right. and all the measures and testing. It's defensive. That's not your first intro. Right. Yeah. 100%. That's not it. It's going going to come off like we did everything right. It's something that you did wrong. I'm not offering a credit. I am allowing people to cancel immediately. I am allowing people to return product. I'm allowing people to do whatever makes them feel better. But my first communication to you is as soon as that customer complaint comes in. Number the first customer complaint. I'm not waiting till there's a quantity of 10, no. 20, 50. Your gold standard is the safety of your customers. That's what your business is built on, especially as a food company. You protect that well-being at all costs to your business. So shutting down the product and getting a clear, direct communication out to your customers is precedent. And you're allowing, I got a, a Google survey form to input my symptoms. You're putting people on the phone with customers. You're right. having a little bit more empathy and showing that all of my beautiful marketing language that I've used all of right. these years to make you believe in me as a brand. Right. I stand behind that in, in times of issues. So I, to me, that was the biggest misstep was the lack of communication, the, and the, the defensiveness, quite honestly, yeah. um, where they led with that instead of leading with "we have a we have an issue with a product, please dispose of it, please contact us at and dispose of that product," you know, it's just like it needed to be Clear. quick and swift, and it felt like a slow bleed. It felt like death by a thousand paper
0: cuts. Totally, that's such a good. It's death by a thousand paper cuts is such a, a well stated point. I also, I also saw, and I'm sure you saw this too, that like their Instagram, like their social media platforms have not changed these things. Like the communications about shifted. this is buried. And the, and the fact, like the idea of the Google form makes me a little, like, again, I feel like my stomach's turning over. Like that is just horrifying. Imagine you're an actual patient that was hospitalized and you receive a Google form. I mean, I'm sorry, but like, you're sitting there, you're already scared out of your mind. And then you, and then you have to fill out a Google. Right. Yeah. Like what, in what world? Like every step of this, it's like, it just got worse and worse. And it certainly doesn't seem to be, like, the, there's the other component of it, which is that even after some degree of, like, public outrage from this, we still haven't heard of anything that has changed, right? Like, there's been no shift in, okay, we gotta change up how we handle this. And and now it's like, now you've lost, ultimately, we'll lose customers permanently. Like it's not, there's no way that you're rebuilding that kind of trust. I feel like that is, that's the epitome of, okay, maybe the, maybe, listen, honestly, and I hesitate to even say this, but perhaps there's a world in which something happens, they don't make the right First step, but they really re, like they redirect at the second step, right? Like, there is a world in which that might be possible, but like, that first step is so critical, right?
1: Yeah, the first step is so critical. And in an age that we live in yeah. now, social media is so powerful because it's the quickest way right. that you can reach your customers in, in the swiftest way, in the most succinct You right. You only have so much you can say on social media. So, the fact that those channels didn't immediately sh- switch over and they still use some beauty shot of their crumbles with like a caption that kind of explains what it's was going nice. on, like, duh, it's not about the, the right. beauty of your profile on Instagram anymore. It's like, forget about you your help grid. Right. right
0: like now. I think you have yeah. bigger problems than curating the grid. You know what I mean? Like, it's just right. really insane. Wow. Whoa. I mean, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Also, can I just say that? Because I just feel like, it. it, again, at every step, I feel like you, there is, I can only imagine how you feel of like the, I I know better. I haven't trained in multiple areas of this. I am literally being gaslighted every step. And then there is some kind of validation in the knowing that it, it absolutely was not you whatsoever, that this was like, I mean, every, I'm just like so disturbed by the whole thing, but I'm so grateful that you are here and feeling well and looking beautiful because that makes me feel like, okay, okay. If she can do, if she can do this, if she can get through this and she can tell us how it's done for the future, then hopefully there's hope for humanity because hearing how they behaved is I was like, is there hope for
1: humanity? Like, we're- right. Right. I, I was like, wow. Priorities are really skewed over right. there. Um, I mean, the reality is, is like, I am thankful that my symptoms weren't as severe as yeah. some other people's. And it's, I'm happy that I have the network that I have yeah. amongst the nutrition community too, because then at least, you know, you're talking to a group of yeah. nutrition experts that can help their patients, their totally. clients, their followers, um, alert them to the issue and, and maybe that helps other people that are in a more severe situation than I am um, because I would be foolish to say that I got the biggest brunt of the issues from this I'm not there are people in much worse situations than I am it's just unfortunate because of my profession yeah. <laughs> I have right. a little bit more like skin in the game to right. be irritated by the way everything fell apart
0: Completely. I mean, okay, I want to switch gears to something else that is related because I just want, I want to, I want to tap your expertise for something. And you can tell me that you can name qualities if you feel like it's better. If you feel like this would be, you'd rather name qualities, but I would love to know from your perspective, like, uh, are there if you had to name maybe one or two food brands, food companies, people in this sort of better for you food nutrition space, not necessarily people, but let's say, let's say household names or not, or lesser-known brands, who do you think is is at this moment executing on we are telling you who we are, and we are finding the consumer that is meant to have the product that the products that we make? Are there any that come to mind?
1: I think Ciggies does a great job. Yes. Quite
0: honestly. Agree.
1: Um, They are transparent. They innovate and they still stay within their their philosophy and have never really deviated from it. They can continue to stay on trend with what customers are looking for without kind of breaking their nutrition ethos. Um, They've done a great job. Um, And they also like – the man behind siggy siggy like he's out there like there's nothing that tells your story better than like the actual person that created your product um, and i think that's really special um, so to me that is a great that's uh, a great brand totally. um, a brand that actually i kind of have a little skin in the game with yeah. because i've worked with them um is a fast food brand, which I think people would be surprised by, but I think Wendy's is a great, great service fast food company in terms of just staying true to their philosophy. They will always provide you with, with the decadent menu offerings, but they've always been very core to sourcing good quality ingredients. Um, and that is very special. I, so there are certain brands that have put a stake in to the ground of what they believe in and they continue to stay by it. Um, so those two brands come to mind. I'm trying to think of like a packaged food brand, um, Mm. that is like always like part of my, my world. Oh, well actually a brand that's part of my world now because of my daughter is happy baby, happy, that brand. So I probably wouldn't even know them unless I had a baby. Um, But sourcing great ingredients, everything's very easy to understand. Ingredient labels are simple and and sourced appropriately. Mm. I've had questions about their products that they are very quick to answer, which is appreciative Um, on my side It's just like, wow, you like really care about your customer. Um, I think that responsiveness is great. So I think those are like getting are off the top. Like those are such good examples. The I'm thinking about. And then I'm going to go to sleep and think about some other ones. No, but, I, know. Um, I know. That's how it always couple, happens. Think, immediately. That's how it always happens. But what I love
0: about the answer you just gave, first of all, is that you talked about a CPG food product. You talked about a, a restaurant chain, a QSR, and then- and then you talked about a baby food company. That's like the perfect answer, Lisa. And I just put Lisa on the spot, by the way. I did not even ask her to think about that ahead of time. That was totally on the spot. Okay, that was an amazing answer. I just had a full body sweat trying to think of those brands. That was an amazing answer. That was unreal. But what you said about the baby food actually really speaks to the current this current crisis, essentially, right? Like a daily harvest crisis and the, the complete mm-hmm. juxtaposition about what's going on here. Because with baby food babies. Who could be more innocent than tiny babies, new humans? Like (laughs) we're new Mm -hmm. to the world, right? Like who can be, so there is this like general sense of, we understand you as the parent wanting to take care of your, like cultivating that sense. But what's crazy on the polar opposite side of the spectrum is that how is it, if if this had been handled or managed in any way in a smarter actually UX, a smarter initial onboarding of their customer, right? Like then maybe knowing that you never really know what's going on in somebody's life is sort of what I'm getting at, right? Like is that that there's an assumption that if you're buying baby food, presumably you are a parent or a caretaker, but there's no presumption with adults, right? Like whereas... You never Mm -hmm. know, like you don't know who is immune compromised that's receiving your products. Like you have no, you don't know that someone may may be recovering from liver disease. Like there, there's just no way of essentially having that. So instead of ignoring it, it's more like, how do we think about providing safety for everybody and making sure everyone feels great about the food that we're making and serving?
1: Regardless of what age you exactly. are, whether you are a right. newborn or an eighty-year-old, right. you're still a human, right. and we should all be in the business of supporting humans and making right. sure where our well-being is okay. Right. And I think there's a point in the the human experience, especially when it comes to purchasing items, totally. you're less concerned about the adult. Right. Right it's so interesting it's so
0: interesting what you said too about social media because I I think that also plays such an interesting role and what's unique about the brands that that you mentioned is that they all have they all stay on message on their social platforms like they're like and by on message I don't mean using approved language or any of this other bullshit that mm-hmm. like we have all heard about in in our corporate lives at at any given point but like I I don't I could give a fuck about approved language I want to know that you're making products that support your initially stated values and show me that and then I can make the decision Mm -hmm. as to whether or not I'm the consumer of these products or I can say hey that looks like a cool offering I'm going to try that one but in other words the more transparent you're able to be the the more useful you are to your target customer or to future customers or to yeah. anyone. I mean, because honestly, the fact that you had to go through this and the fact that you had to jump through hoops to even find information that it wasn't like posted everywhere, listed everywhere, communicated, blasted, everything is, is such an appalling component of this. And it's so reassuring to know that that you just named three awesome, amazing brands in the space that are doing the exact opposite of that. <laughs>
1: I think there's, I think there's hope. Um, yes. I, the, the bad eggs do get a little bit more of the spotlight. It's much easier to pick on people, things that have done something wrong than it yeah. is to just spout glowing compliments to to things that are going right. Um, or maybe that's just my mental place because I'm the chronic yeah, pessimist. Yeah, no, no, but, you no, know, that's like it, human nature. I feel like, just, Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think the, the course will write itself and there's more good to be had in the, in the food and beverage space. than there is still malice, you know, like there is much more good things to celebrate than there is to be scared of. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, because you've been so generous
0: with this amount of time and I really cannot thank you enough for being here, Lisa, but I got to ask you our very last question that we, that we Mm -hmm. end with for all guests of on the side which is if it if it was your last meal before you're taking a trip to space can what would be on the menu and I, I preface this by saying that this can be a point in time this can be like today I'm loving or it can be like I went to this restaurant mm-hmm. in Bulgaria once and it was the best food I've ever had you can really this is a blank canvas answer but we but we gotta we gotta wrap up the same way we always do you know what I mean Okay,
1: so if I had to choose, it would be a childhood dish made out of a old crock pot. Do you remember the crock oh, pots yes. that are like brown and yellow? Oh my God, yes, yeah. It, it is a bone-in pork chop that is cooked in a crock pot with Saucy Susan. Does anybody know who oh sa- what Saucy God. Susan is? Oh my God, yes, you just took yes. me right back to really the early days of life. <laughs> yes. Saucy Susan over mashed potatoes. That is my last meal. If before I'm going to space or quite Anywhere. honestly a last meal for anything, I can make an argument to have that meal last day of the week. Oh my I'll God. Yes.
0: Lisa, first of all, where do we find Saucy Susan? And second, where do we find it's you? It's still on the store so I can go supermarket shopping. I got it. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Where do we yes. find
0: you? Where can people find you, follow you, hear more from you? This was amazing. And I really, I can't even thank you enough.
1: Of course. Um, I do some nutrition ranting at Lisa B underscore V R D on Instagram. Um, and then I have a private practice at welldonenutrition.com. So I'm on, those, on all those fun platforms under that, under that username. Amazing.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today to this episode of On the Side with Jackie London. If you enjoyed today's episode, please snap a screenshot of your podcast app on your phone, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jacqueline London RD to let me know your favorite takeaway from any part of the episode. If you're loving the show, if there's a topic you'd love to hear more about or a guest you'd love to listen to here, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. You can scroll down on your podcast app to where it says ratings and reviews and rate this one five stars, of course, and share your feedback. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and start feeling more empowered and living better one meal or snack at a time. Of course, be sure to follow On The Side wherever you get your podcasts to ensure you won't miss out on any episodes. And remember to check us out, check out the Q&A deep dive on the On The Side YouTube channel. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Keep in mind that any advice provided on this podcast is based off of my clinical judgment and application of research and practice as a registered dietitian, and it should not take the place of medical advice from your own personal physician. Until next time, cheers.